And hello, everyone, and welcome to our program, The Truth Will Set You Free, Bible Prophecy Edition. I'm Vic Batista, along with my co-host, Nathan Jones, and you're tuned in to our program, The Truth Will Set You Free. We have a great program prepared to you today that we have titled Temple Glory. So we hope that you can stay tuned. And those of you that have a Bible, get it ready so that you can follow along with us for today's program. But before we continue, I'm going to ask my co-host, Nathan Jones, if he will open us up with a word of prayer. Lord Jesus, we thank you so much to finally get to the part of Ezekiel, Lord, where we see your victory as you set up your kingdom on this earth. And Lord, you go to great detail to explain what this millennial temple is going to look like and the glory of you being in it. And I pray, Lord, that you'll help us teach this so that, Lord, we may bask in your, your glory and just praise you. We thank you for all tuned in in your precious name. Amen. Amen. Again, you tuned into the Truth Will Set You Free Bible Prophecy Edition. Vic Batista, Nathan Jones with Lamb Lion Ministry. We are diving into the book of Ezekiel. Again, our topic is that temple glory. So stay tuned. And if you're following along with us on social media, we'd love for you to share this program with your friends and family so they can follow along as well. And of course, before we continue, I'm going to welcome my co-host to the program, Nathan Jones. Nathan, another wonderful week. Yes, and I, I think you're welcoming more than me, but this crow that just landed outside my window. So I apologize. <laughs> it's not me calling. There's a crow out there. <laughs> oh, well, and Nathan, you and I were just talking about that earlier, where sometimes we might get a few little distractions in the back. So we'll welcome the crow to the program. <laughs> yeah, welcome crow and welcome you all. Thank you for tuning in to The Truth Will Set You Free. <laughs> well, Nathan, in case someone is new to our program, can you share with them what we do and how they can get a hold of our resources? Minus the crow. <laughs> uh, minus the crow, yes. We want the crow to leave, but uh, you all were so glad you could stay with us. Uh, Vic and I are both evangelists here at Lamb and Lion Ministries. We're a Bible prophecy teaching ministry, and our mission is to proclaim the soon return of Jesus Christ. And uh, most people find us through our website at ChristInProphecy.org or download our Lamb and Lion app. Uh, you could watch our television program, Christ in Prophecy, with Tim Moore and myself. Uh, you can also download many articles, videos uh, by ourselves and Dr. David Reagan, our founder, and new, our new evangelist, Dave Bowen. And uh, you can check us out on ChristinProphecy.org. That's awesome. Thank you, Nate, for sharing those wonderful resources. And also, again, we encourage you to take part uh, in these resources. Check out the website. Again, it gives you a great opportunity to be able to grow in the things of the Lord. Not only that, Nathan, but it gives people an opportunity to learn about what's happening around the world. Right now, we find ourselves really in a very tight situation or Israel as a nation with the situation with Hamas and, and the war that's going on there. And it also affects our country. Sometimes people think that Bible prophecy is for only certain parts of the world. But right now we see signs of the times and we're sort of involved in a lot of what's going on. Yes. Uh, if you guys want to follow our teachings on what's going on between Israel and Hamas, uh, what it, where it fits prophetically, what are the future wars of the Bible, what's the future of the Jewish people, then uh, check out our YouTube channel, Christ in Prophecy. We have a playlist called Prophetic Perspectives. And in the Prophetic Perspectives, Tim Moore and myself go through a number of different uh, prophecies as it relates to the war between Israel and Hamas right now. 
the world reacting with a great increase in anti-Semitism, which is uh, so disappointing, but uh, it was prophesied. So check us out on not only on these podcasts, The Truth Will Set You Free, but I mean, you can find it on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, uh, Pray.com. Uh, we uh, are getting these podcasts out to as many people as we can, as quickly as we can, because the Lord Jesus is coming back soon. So we hope that you're excited as we are, that Jesus is coming back as we explore the signs of the end times. Ooh, thank you so much, Nathan. And of course, not only that, but the, the exciting thing is when you learn what awaits the Christians for the future. And speaking of which, Nate, you and I dove into Ezekiel chapter 40 in, in our last segment. We finally completed going through the Gog and Magog War, chapters 38, 39. Then we started this amazing teaching on the Millennial Temple. And there's a lot of people, Nathan, that are not aware uh, regarding the temple, the size and the structure and, and all its function uh, uh, in the time of the millennium. No, and we got to remember that the throne room of God has a certain look. I mean, it's a tangible, physical place. It's not ethereal. Uh, you know, it's not ghosts. It's not, you know, clouds and, and all that. There's actual physical building with a physical throne with the, the, the father, the spirit, with his son on one side and the Holy Spirit or the sevenfold spirit on the other. The Trinity is in this building. So the Lord directed the Jewish people to make temples that were small, miniature versions. If you like making models, and I'd love to own a Lamborghini, but I can't afford one. <laughs> I'll get a model kit and I'll make a model Lamborghini. And that's as close as I can get. And that's what the tabernacle was. It was a tent version, a tiny little version of what the throne of God would look like. Then the first temple that Solomon built, and then later the second temple under Zerubbabel and then expanded by King Herod. But that was destroyed in 70 AD. So what we're waiting for prophetically is the next temple. It's called the third temple, which the Jewish people want to build, especially the Temple Institute. They have all the building materials. They have all the accoutrements. They have all the ceremonial devices. They have the clothes. The priesthood is trained. They picked a high priest. And as soon as they can get up on that temple mountain allowed to you know, get rid of the Dome of the Rock and build that third temple. It'll be there, but only for a short time. The Bible says in the middle of a seven-year tribulation time period, or the tribulation time period, the Antichrist will desecrate it. The Jewish people will flee. And I believe when the Lord returns and has that great earthquake that levels Jerusalem, that that temple will fall too. So what we're reading is the temple during Christ's millennial kingdom. When Jesus returns at the end of the tribulation, defeats Satan by throwing him in a pit, the Antichrist and false prophet in hell, the demons as well, and, and all the peoples that are evil people are defeated. The Lord will set up his kingdom, and Jesus Christ, being the carpenter that he is, is going to build his temple. And that's where we get this last section of Ezekiel, chapter 40 through 48, where Jesus, through his measuring angel and through his prophet uh, Ezekiel, is giving us the dimensions of what this new temple is going to be like. And brother, it is going to be fantastic. Nathan, and I'm so glad that we're going through this because I have to say uh, many Christians do not pay much attention to the millennium. Somehow that's been that has been a neglected topic. And uh, and I know you've taken the time, Nathan, to teach through the millennium, uh, giving details about the millennium. And people should get excited to know what actually awaits them after the rapture. We're going to be busy. We're not just going to be uh, floating around in clouds. God's going to give us some amazing opportunities and responsibilities during the millennium. 
And uh, I just, I love the subject so much. My doctoral dissertation was on the Davidic kingdom aspect of the millennial kingdom. And uh, I'll be preaching at Brookhaven Church at the time of recording this weekend. And so I'll be teaching on the millennial kingdom. I think it's a huge section. Matter of fact, it's kind of interesting. I was talking to the worship leader and uh, he's asked me what my topic was. I said, well, it's the millennial kingdom. He says, okay, I'll pick songs about being in heaven. <laughs> God bless him. I said, no, the millennial kingdom isn't about heaven. It's about Christ's victory. And so, you know, here is a worship leader, a, a pastor, and uh, he didn't even know what the millennial kingdom is, too. So you're right. It's an incredibly neglected topic in the Bible. People look at Revelation chapter 20 and says, oh, yeah, there's the millennial kingdom. But no, the, the kingdom of Christ is found in verses throughout the Bible. And so uh, what we're dealing with here in Ezekiel chapter 40 through 48 is the 1,000-year reign of Jesus on this earth before we move into the eternal state where we get the new heaven and the new earth. So heaven will come down as a city called the New Jerusalem on a brand new, rather re rebuilt or refurbished or totally new earth. And then that's after the millennial kingdom. But this is the, the temple, the final temple on earth that represents the temple that God's in. Once the New Jerusalem comes down to earth, that's the final form because that's the, the original. That's the true one, the one that, that God dwells in. And so this temple that we're reading about here will only last for a thousand years. And Nathan, and also we that's a that's a very good point because here Ezekiel is going to talk about the activity of what's going to be taking place in the time of the millennium, but also in the temple itself. And you and I last in our last segment, we started to talk a little bit about the the, the size of the temple, the building of the temple, but other things that people need to understand in the time of the millennium, there will be sacrifices. There will be uh, a, a lot of what, what God has spoken of in the Old Testament. Some of that is also going to take place in the time of the millennium. And we're going to look at that here in Ezekiel chapter 40, and we're going to pick it up there in, in verses 38 through 43. And if you're new to the Bible, we will invite you to get your Bibles and follow along with us as we journey through this amazing topic of the millennial kingdom, uh, the millennial temple. Uh, so Nate, will you be able to uh, start us out there in chapter 40, uh, verses um, uh, 38 through 40, and I'll do verses 41 through 43 in case someone doesn't have a Bible? Sure thing. Uh, folks, uh, the measuring angel gives the measurements to Ezekiel uh, based on the measurements of their time period. So we're talking about cubits, spans, head, hand breaths, rods. You know, it's kind of hard to read these chapters and understand the exact size of the, the uh, millennial temple uh, in their measurement style. So I'm going to do something different. Normally, Vic and I read the New King James Version, but I'm going to switch to the Living Bible. Uh, normally, I wouldn't do this, but uh, I think because the Living Bible gives us the actual measurements in our measurements, it will help us understand a little better. And I don't think there's really any measurements in this segment, but it's important to, to, to read a version that, that you can understand, you know? I think that's important. So, okay, so where Vic and I are at now, we've kind of skipped a few verses. Usually we do every verse, but, you know, I don't think you want to hear about every single measurement of all the different chambers <laughs> and gateways, but it gets to this really interesting part in verse 38. Because all of a sudden, we're, we're going to read about sacrifices. Like, what? So we'll address that, but let's read this first. Uh, so you want me to read 38 to 40? Yeah, Nathan, 38 through 40, and I'll do 41 to 43 in case someone doesn't have a Bible. 
Okay, but a door led from its entry hall into a side room where the flesh of the sacrifices were washed before being taken to the altar. And on each side of the entry hall of the passageway, there were two tables where the animals for sacrifice were slaughtered for the burnt offerings, sin offerings, and guilt offerings to be presented in the temple. Outside the entry hall, on each side of the stairs, going to the north entrance, there were two more tables. Again, and we're also reading from the Living Bible in verse 41. So in all, there were eight tables, four inside and four outside, where the sacrifices were cut up and prepared. There were also four stone tables where the birching of knives and other implements uh, were laid. These tables were about two and five eight feet square and one and three quarters high. There were hooks. Uh, there were hooks. I'll read up to uh, the next three or four inches long, fastening along the walls of the entry hall and on the tables. The flesh of the offering was to be laid. Nathan, definitely someone is saying, really, this is going to be happening during the time of the millennium? Yeah, it's very confusing because in the Old Testament, before the Messiah came for Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the perfect sacrifice, God created a way for the sins of the people, the guilt of the people to be passed on to animals. So because of our sin and rebellion against God, we fell under the just judgment that the fallen angels did of being sentenced to hell. So the people to stay purified before God would have to have a sacrifice done to take the place for their sins. You've heard of the term scapegoat, for instance. Uh, the goat would take the sins of the people and it would die and it died in place of us. Just like Jesus Christ, the ultimate sacrifice, died on the cross for his sins and then beat death by resurrecting from the dead. And when we put our faith and trust in him, we're saved. So once Jesus died on the cross, that was it. The sacrificial system was over. There was no need for it, no purpose for it, because we have the ultimate, the once and for all, only sacrifice needed for our sins. So then we get to the millennial kingdom, where Jesus Christ is physically ruling and reigning from Jerusalem. And we get to this passage about there being sacrifices in the millennial temple. And it's not the only place. There's some other uh, Old Testament prophets who talked about sacrifices in the millennial te uh, temple. And you got to wonder, well, why? Why, if Jesus is the ultimate sacrifice, was there a need for these sacrifices, these animal sacrifices, to be done again? Your thoughts on that, Vic? Well, Nathan, what the interesting thing is that, you know, uh, we, we, we have to understand that after the tribulation uh, and the start of the millennium, there's going to be individuals inhabiting in their natural bodies. In other words, not everyone there is going to be glorified. There will be death. There will be decay. People will live long lives, but there will still be sin uh, uh, taking place in the time of the millennium. So, Nathan, of course, sin being uh, uh, present, that has to be dealt with. And this is why sometimes, like I said, I'm so glad that we're talking about this subject matter, because it's one that a lot of people are confused about and they don't understand. Yeah, and it's they have a, makes sense to. I, I've heard people actually deeply offended that there'll be animal sacrifices, like oh those poor animals. But again, the sacrificial system was created by God for the purpose of covering sins. Now, because Jesus Christ is the ultimate sacrifice, and we find that out throughout the Book of Hebrews and the whole Bible says, you know, that's it. Why are these sacrifices? Some theologians believe that for the priesthood, the Jewish priesthood at the temple 
It's a purification ritual for them. So we're not talking about everybody on the planet needs to go to Jerusalem and have sacrifices, but there are a few sacrifices necessary for the rituals involved in the purification of the priests. Other theologians believe that, well, maybe the sacrifices are meant to be a remembrance. So you you have these animals sacrificed, and it points to the fact that there you've got Jesus Christ, the ultimate sacrifice there. So again, not everybody's needing the sacrifice like in the Old Testament, but they're done occasionally throughout the year to point like communion is today. Like we take communion to remember Jesus' sacrifice on the cross. So maybe these animals are sacrificed at like, in a way like communion is a, a remembrance. And of course, you know, it's sad that the animals die, but they'll be eaten too. I mean, all the sacrifices in the Old Testament weren't just burned up. They kept the priesthood going. They fed the priesthood. So it's it's a little confusing here, you know, why Jesus needs this giant barbecue kind of thing going. Maybe it's all these sacrifices are for feeding the priesthood. That's a, a third option. Uh, and then, of course, like you said, the fourth option is a, a different time period. The church age has Jesus Christ sacrificed for our sins. And so, but it's a different dispensation altogether in the millennial kingdom. And maybe animal sacrifices come back in tandem with Jesus' sacrifice on the cross. Not that it's necessary to forgiveness of sins, but it's part of a ritual that's included, like we have baptism, maybe for the people in the millennial kingdom, that's their form of baptism. You know, honestly, Vic, I think we need to say we just don't know. We can only theorize. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely, Nathan. And that's exactly why we want to encourage those individuals that are following along uh, to read through the Bible. But this is a great opportunity for homework for individuals to read those like uh, the passages in Isaiah and Jeremiah and also the minor prophets. And Nathan, you wrote a fantastic book on the minor prophets that will also help open up individuals eyes to the reality of the millennium. Yes, uh, 12 Faith Journeys of the Minor Prophets. Uh, I co-wrote it with uh, Pastor Steve Howell, a pastor in Kansas. And uh, he and I wanted to focus on uh, how to have faith during different trials. And so this new version, a second edition, I call it the Prophecy Edition, has all the prophecies in each of the Minor Prophet books and also lists when they were fulfilled or in what era they will be fulfilled, like the Tribulation or Second Coming or Millennial Kingdom. And you find a wealth of prophecies about the the millennial kingdom in the minor prophets. So I'm glad I have this new prophecy edition because it has all those prophecies listed for people who want to know all about those prophecies. And I think it's eye-opening too, because when we read about how the Jewish people as a, a, a nation in the Old Testament failed God and kept falling in sin and got so God destroyed that nation as it's, uh, it couldn't rule over itself, and it would always be subject to other nations going forward, but that became its nation again under its own authority in 1948, points to the time period when Jesus Christ is coming back. And since that's a prophecy, and we know that the Jewish people are preparing to, for the third temple to be built, then how much sooner, if the third temple is only going to last seven years, is the millennial temple around that? So, brother, if the tribulation, the rapture happens, and then the tribulation, this millennial temple, which is being laid out here, could be built, let's say the rapture happens today, within the next decade. Isn't that amazing? Well, Nathan, I was just about to say that. I mean, you know, okay. in terms of, yeah, in terms of time, it really is exciting. 
because again, when we when we look at Bible prophecy and the timing, although we don't know exactly when everything is going to take place, but it gives us a general idea. And I mean, that's right around the corner, Nathan. We could be living in a whole different realm, if you will, very, very soon. So for those of you that just tuned in, you're tuned into a Truth Will Set You Free Bible Prophecy Edition. Big Batista, Nathan Jones, we're looking at Ezekiel chapter 40, the topic for today's temple glory, but we're also talking about the sacrifices uh, in the time of the millennium. So very exciting, Nathan, and that's actually great news for people who trust in the Lord. Yes, yes, and I should, I don't think that sacrifices in the millennial kim- kingdom should be a stumbling block. I have come across so many Christians over the years, and while I've been teaching Bible prophecy, and I'm sure you have too, that sacrifices during the millennial kingdom really is a stumbling block for them. They really have a hard time understanding it. They're worried they're going to have to take some goat up to Jerusalem and kill it. No, 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 no. There's a Jewish priesthood during this millennial kingdom. But I think we have to look at what Habakkuk said in Habakkuk 2.4. He said, the just shall live by faith. You know, we don't understand why these sacrifices, we have theories, but we have to trust that the Lord Jesus Christ is all loving. He's, he's graceful. He's forgiven. We're not going to back to a works-based salvation. There's a purpose for these sacrifices. We just have to trust. And that's the big word, trust that God knows what he's doing. And he has a purpose for these. And it won't be burdensome to us. And it won't put us back under the law again. There is a reason. And we might not understand it now, but someday... Vic, we're going to be like, oh, that's why. That's exactly what I was. And Nathan, that's exciting. Also, Nathan, another thing, too, that we want to encourage people to understand is, you know what? I feel once we are face to face with the Lord and we're surrounded by believers in the time of the millennium, we're going to be enjoying so much our fellowship. I don't think any of this is going to be an issue. I don't think people will even be thinking about that because we will have so many amazing tasks and responsibilities uh, to keep us busy and focused, that this is going to be a, a joyful time just being in the millennium. Think about it, Nathan. We will we will be in our glorified bodies. We will not know sickness or death. We'll be in a body much like Jesus had. Uh, and it's just going to be a, a phenomenal. Yeah. I, people don't realize that for a thousand years, there will be no Satan or demons uh, tempting us. There won't be war anymore. There won't be need for soldiers anymore. There won't be world wars or, or wars at all anymore. Maybe not even skirmishes at the end. Uh, there's prophesied a, a big one. But other than that, it's a time of peace. It's, it's, there'll be f- more food than there's no one to do with. There won't be poverty. Uh, there won't be uh, homelessness. Uh, it'll be a time of long lives where the lifespans go up to a thousand years again. Sickness will be eradicated. Uh, mental illness, uh, uh, autism, and, and other mental uh, disabilities will disappear. Physical disabilities will disappear. This utopian that the Luciferians, the globalists, are trying to accomplish and will utterly fail and really destroy the world trying to attempt, Jesus Christ can do because he is the architect of the universe. So, yeah, it's going to be a wonderful time. You're absolutely right. I think we're going to be so amazed living in the millennial kingdom. And for those of us who be raptured uh, or, or dead and resurrected, it will be in our glorified bodies, not these fallen human bodies, but our perfected sinless bodies. Brother, it's, it's going to be heaven on earth. 
Exactly. And that's why I want to encourage our listeners. Hey, don't get too distracted with the sacrifices and certain things that really uh, God is going to give us total clarity. Right, Nathan? Once a year, we're going to be taught by the Lord. Our understanding is going to be open. And then, like you said, we'll be able to say, ah, now I see. But Nathan, not only are we going to have all these amazing things going on, but in Ezekiel chapter 30, Ezekiel chapter 40, the one that we're looking at, and then chapter 41 and 42, it continues to talk about uh, the, the layout of the temple. Chapter 41, again, as I like the way that you put it, this angel, uh, I like to call this um, uh, uh, hide, and, not hide and seek, but actually show and tell. Because he is, show, he is showing them things of the temple. And then he is telling uh, uh, Ezekiel here uh, what, what he's looking at. And then chapter 41, verse 1 says, After he brought me into the, na- into the nave, the large main room of the temple, and measured the, the pillars that formed its doorway, there were ten and a half feet square. Then in chapter 42, verse 1, Then he led me out to the temple, back into the inner court, to the rooms north of the temple yard and uh, to another building. And then I love this in chapter 42, verse 15, when he had finished making these measurements, he led me out through the east uh, passageway to measure the entire temple area. So again, he's continuing this whole show and tell situation so that they can see what this temple is like. But Nathan, chapter 43, verse 1, and two, I like this because it shifts gears all of a sudden and is introduced to us to the glory of God. Nate, might you be able to read for us chapter 43, uh, verses one through three, in case someone doesn't have a Bible? Sure. You know, uh, just quick, uh, you notice that the final measurement, it's 875 feet long on each side, and it, per- it creates a perfect cube. Isn't it interesting that the Millennial Temple is 875 feet wide, but the the New Jerusalem that comes after, the, the Temple of God coming down upon the earth during the eternal state after the Millennial Kingdom is also a perfect cube. So again, I the Millennial do. Temple is a shadow of the real temple the, the where God sits at the very center. Isn't that just kind of mind-blowing? Nathan, I love that detail. Actually, I didn't even catch that myself. I'm so glad that you share that because, again, we see so much of the resemblance here that it's just exciting to me. Well, yeah, I mean, here we got a temple that's 875 feet long. So that, that's that's pretty big. You know, a, a mile is 5,280 feet. So what are we talking about here? You know, a sixth of a mile. It's, it's, it's a big temple. I mean, it's a big temple. But the New Jerusalem is 1,500, not feet, miles cubed. It would stretch from the Atlantic to Colorado and from Canada to Mexico. It's that big. So even the Millennial Temple, with all its glory and with Jesus Christ living there and ruling from there, is, again, just a tiny, you know, one-sixteenth scale model of the actual thing. Nathan, that is exciting. And that's why I just love the way that the Bible gives us bits and pieces. And I find that it's the same here because our minds are going to have to be, once again, uh, our minds are going to have to be reestablished back like in the time of Genesis. where We'll be able to comprehend more all of the amazing things that God has in store for us. 
Yeah, and I'm sorry I didn't get to 43 because I was just so um, you know getting so excited about this this temple. And I guess we can start 43 next week if that's good with you. But uh, you know, it's it's the very fact that Jesus Christ, all the prophecies, 500 general prophecies in the Old Testament, one in 25 verses of the New Testament talk about the return of Jesus Christ to rule and reign from Jerusalem. And here we get three entire chapters where Jesus is telling us, this is what my house is going to look like in Jerusalem. This is where my temple will be. Uh, you know, it, it, it's proof positive that Jesus is coming back. He didn't make just some general promise. Oh, it, it's going to come one day. No, he's given us three little painful to read chapters with excruciating detail just to hit home. Yes, I'm coming back. Let me tell you what my house is going to be like. I love that. And well, Nathan, and that's why we encourage people. We're, we're, we will give them a little bit of homework, and that is take the time to read these chapters again, because we just don't have the time here during the program. But it will be fascinating for those that do. Hey, Nathan, maybe we could put forth a challenge for our listeners and 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 say, hey, why don't you guys read this? Call us or text us if you did. And let us know what you found out. The phone number is 305-992-9537. We would love to hear back, right, Nathan? Maybe someone will say, hey, man, I read them, and here's what I learned. Absolutely. Or go to our website, ChristinProphecy.org. Click the contact button at the top and let us know. I, I love that. And, Nathan, of course, as we get excited about the millennium, the temple, of course, we don't want anyone to be left out. We want to be there together celebrating uh, uh, checking this out uh, as, the, as the Bible says, and that can only be done through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Uh, people have to know God to be invited in uh, to to uh, all the wonderful thing He's doing, and that's why we encourage you. If you don't have a relationship with the Lord, I know we don't have a lot of time left for the program, but we want to invite you to come to Christ. The Bible says in John three sixteen that God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son, that whoever believes in Him will not perish, but have eternal life. And if you recognize that you're a sinner, that you're broken God's commandment, but you want to do what's right, open your heart and invite him in with a very simple prayer. Wherever you are, you can call on the name of the Lord and be saved. Just say, Lord Jesus, I recognize that I'm a sinner. But right now, I repent from my sins. Lord, I invite you into my heart to be my Lord, to be my Savior, and to be my friend. And from this day forth, I want to follow you, Jesus. In your name, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, and if you pray that prayer again, let Nathan and myself know we would love to rejoice with you, send you a, a Bible study guide so that you can grow in your relationship with him and be excited about what awaits us in the future. And Nathan, that's why you and I get so excited that we don't always finish the whole chapter, right? <laughs> no, but that's what next week's for, right? <laughs> That will be chapter 43. But again, we thank you for being part of the program. We ran out of time for this segment of the program. Big Batista, Nathan Jones, say goodbye. May the Lord bless and keep you. May his face shine upon you. Have a wonderful week. The good news is finally here. Friends, listen to me. This is serious business. What the world needs today is Jesus. The Bible says in John 3, 16, that for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal.